CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. Once again, the Republican Party and their members in Congress have screwed average Americans in order to give another huge benefit to America's super wealthy. We discovered this basically day before yesterday as people started to carefully read the tax law or this $2 trillion stimulus bill that was passed. You know, people ask the question, how is it that you can have a $2 trillion piece of stimulus legislation that gets written in 48 hours. How is that possible? And the easy answer is there's a long line of lobbyists at the door and every single one of them has their little 20-page piece to add to it. And boom, you pile them all together and you got a 1,000-page piece of legislation. I mean, that's really the bottom line. You might have gotten 1200 bucks, but the truly rich got a fortune. David K. Johnson writing about this over at Raw Story, although I talked about this yesterday here. It was on Daily Kos. It was in the New York Times. This is a quote from David K. Johnson. Quote, almost 82% of the tax savings will go to the Trump Kushner family and 4,300 of their fellow millionaire landlords. End quote. It wasn't until after the bill was signed that we discovered that Mitch McConnell's buddies in the Senate had slipped in this little tiny provision that gave massive tax breaks and profits to real estate moguls, especially real estate moguls who had been making money on insider information on the stock market. And we don't have the absolute proof that Trump is doing that, but I would be boggled if he isn't. And of course, we don't have the proof because he's covering it up. And because, you know, he's just, they're not responding to FOIA requests. They're not responding to lawsuits. They're not responding to congressional subpoenas. They're just stealing everything they can that's not nailed down as fast as they can, figuring that by the time they get out of office in January, they're going to be rich, 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 richer. And, you know, the rest of us are going to be poor, poor, poor. I mean, no wonder Donald Trump was so eager to sign this legislation. And now Mitch McConnell is demanding another two or three hundred billion dollars in bailouts to billionaires and rich people. And the Democrats, uh, particularly in the House, but also in the Senate, are saying, no, not going to happen. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi has been the point person on this, saying we will not pass another piece of legislation that doesn't take care of people first. 1200 bucks was throwing a bone to the dog. 
it's just nuts. And to add insult to injury, Donald Trump wants you to go back to work even if you could die. I mean, are you enthusiastic to be part of this gruesome experiment? There's literally a whole group of Fox watching, right wing hate radio listening people around the country who are protesting, protesting, honest to God, not making this up, who are protesting that they want the country opened up. And one in particular was particularly hysterical. Uh, Joshua Potash tweeted this. He says, you can't make this crap up. In Michigan, people are clogging the streets. And there's a picture of a downtown area, and I'm not sure if it's Lansing or Grand Rapids, but it's all these cars, you know, blocks of cars that have just kind of jammed the streets and stopped. It's called Operation Gridlock. He says, in Michigan, people are clogging the streets with their cars to protest the stay-at-home order. Which raises a really interesting question. If it's safe to reopen, why are they protesting in their cars? <laughs> but anyhow, we had another Trey, another legislator named Trey, who came out and said, sign me up. You know, if it means dying for the economy, I'm willing to go. Right. So are you enthusiastic about being part of Trump's gruesome experiment? By the way, Congressman Mark Pocan will be with us in the second hour today. And can you make do with 1200 bucks for a two or three month period? Because it looks like that might be what it's going to be. You know, Americans are sick and tired of this whole thing. This behavior that we've been seeing from politicians unanimously among Republicans and even a few scattered Democrats here and there. Ever since the Reagan revolution in 1981, we are friggin' over it. The neoliberal Reaganomics experiment of the last 40 years is a fraud. And the coronavirus has torn the mask off that fraud, to torture a metaphor. And we all need to be supporting the progressive politicians who are saying no to more billionaire bailouts. It's just the right thing to do. And we've got to be doing it. So Donald Trump had a complete meltdown on TV. And God bless Paula Reed over at CBS News for uh, holding his feet to the fire. It was pretty remarkable what she did. I mean, she literally was interrupting him to point out the fact that he was lying. And she kept saying, you know, all of February, what'd you do? Nothing. Well, he actually, he went golfing several times. He held several rallies. He was on Fox News a, a bunch of times telling people that there's nothing to worry about and everything's going to be good. So that's, you know, basically what he did in February. Now, the Trump administration has published a timeline of things that the CDC did in February or some, you know, some functionary in the HHS did in February. Oh, my God. You know, I didn't watch the meltdown because I don't watch the Trump reality TV show anymore. I mean, this is really what it is. Trump is saying, I've got a big decision to make. When to open the country? Well, he never closed the country, right? It's up to the governors to do that. And individual mayors and, and county officials, they can order shutdowns. There's plenty of state quarantine laws that go back to yellow fever epidemics in the 1800s that empower them to do those things. Tuberculosis, polio. I mean, there's been a bunch of diseases that we've had to deal with and that we have actually enshrined in law, not so much the disease, but the power of local officials to shut down their areas, their municipalities or their states. And there was in 1976, a law passed called the National Emergencies Act, which does somewhat increase federal power. This was you know, following on the backs of, I believe the case was Youngstown Steel, 
it was the name of the Supreme Court case back in the 1940s, late 40s, or maybe even the early 50s. I, frankly, I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly when it was. Probably was 50-51 because it was the Korean War. And Harry Truman was president. And he went in and Youngstown Steel was in the middle of a strike. Their workers were on strike. And so Harry Truman, the president of the United States, went in and seized the steel company and said to the workers, you guys are now working for me and you will go back to work, which they did. But then it went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, sorry, Harry, you can't do that. You don't have that kind of authority. Now, as I said, in, I believe it was 79, that authority was somewhat updated. 76, actually, it was the National Emergencies Act of 1976. That power was updated, but still, it's not total. Trump does not have total power over anything. Well, he's got total power, I suppose, over the West Wing right now. Basically, my question, and I'll ask it right now, and then I'll give you the setup for it. Is this 40 year, and it's 40 years to the year right now, Started in 1980 with the election of Ronald Reagan. 40 years later is right now, more or less. I mean, we're just six months short of it, I think. And uh, maybe seven, eight months, whatever it is. Is the 40-year Republican plan to destroy American government and give all power in this country to the oligarchs, to the billionaires, is that plan disintegrating right in front of our eyes? That's our question. And second... How much damage can Donald Trump do to blue state governors? He is up to something. And it looks to me like he's basically, I mean, he's got the federal government seizing ventilators and masks and personal protective equipment, PPE, going to states and to hospitals, literally seizing them and taking them to pass along to red state governors. I mean, this is getting weird. So back to my riff here about the 40-year Republican plan disintegrating. People are wondering why Donald Trump melted down at his press conference. And there's, in my opinion, really a simple explanation. The plan is falling apart. It's just that simple. It's literally falling apart. Back in 1980, when David Koch ran for president on the libertarian ticket, this was kind of the beginning of the whole thing. Back in 1980, when David Koch ran on that ticket, and I'm going to read to you parts of his platform. This was David Koch's platform in 1980 when he ran for vice president of the United States on the libertarian ticket. Got a million votes, by the way. We urge the repeal of all federal campaign finance laws. We favor the abolition of Medicare and Medicaid. We favor the repeal of the fraudulent, bankrupt, and increasingly oppressive social security system. We propose the abolition of the governmental postal service. We oppose all personal and corporate income tax. We support the eventual repeal of all taxation. All criminal and civil sanctions against tax evasion should be terminated immediately. We support repeal of minimum wage laws. We advocate the complete separation of education and state. Government ownership, operation, regulation, and subsidy of schools and colleges should be ended. We condemn compulsory education and call for the immediate repeal. We support the abolition of the Environmental Protection Agency. We support abolition of the Department of Energy and the Department of Transportation. We demand a return of America's rail system to private ownership. 
We advocate the abolition of the Federal Aviation Administration and the Food and Drug Administration. I mean, it just goes on and on, right? This, this is David Koch's agenda, and it has become the Republican agenda. It was put into place when Ronald Reagan became president in 1980. In the election of 1980, he was sworn in in January of 81. And their strategy, when Reagan won, Reagan inherited that strategy. And the strategy was convince people that the American government, this government that you know George Washington had three horses shot out from under him trying to form that that American government is actually evil and incompetent and useless. And because the Supreme Court in 1976 and 78, the Buckley and Bellotti cases said, no problem, billionaires can fund politicians. Reagan, in his 1981 inaugural address, you know, I mean, they helped him get into office. He says, government was not the solution to our problems. Government is the cause of the problems. And that 40-year plan was supposed to hit its peak with the election of Donald Trump. He was going to take down the final pieces, Obamacare and privatize Social Security and shut down the post office. He was supposed to do all that stuff. And now with the coronavirus, Americans are realizing, you know, government can do things and we want government to do things like save our lives, please. I mean, more than anything else, except possibly his own narcissism. This narrative arc explains why the Donald Trump presidency is collapsing, why the Republican Party is collapsing, as we saw in Wisconsin and the returns. It's just a shame it took 40 years to make it happen. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So do you think the Republicans' 40-year plan, this 40 years of neoliberalism leading ultimately to oligarchy is disintegrating? I think it is. Richard in Pasadena, California. Hey, Richard, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? Uh, What's up is next Sunday is the 19th of April, which is the 245th anniversary of Lexington Concord when we said no to the king. And took it on, and Whoa. I say we should. Shot fired. I say we shot heard the next world. Sunday and go for a month. We create a referendum in this country to get Trump out and get Fauci in. Is there anybody who, for the duration of this pandemic in this nation, who wouldn't vote for Fauci? Well, I don't know. I, 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 I was watching. That's the second shot heard around the world. We can do it. <laughs> Yeah. I was watching a clip of Fauci yesterday and the reporter was trying to pin him down, you know, saying, you know, basically how many people died, how many extra people died because you guys procrastinated. And and he was like, well, you know, we did. I mean, Fauci is turning into a politician. He's morphing right in front of our eyes. He wants to keep his job with the Trump administration. And he knows if he doesn't suck up to Donald Trump, he won't keep his job. Um, Increasingly saddened and disappointed by him and by all of that. But I get what you're saying, Richard, and, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take Joe Biden. He'll be fine. He'll hire Fauci. Catherine in Seattle. Hey, Catherine, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Um, when I was in the Air Force back in the late 70s, we had the Jonestown tragedy, and the U.S. government repatriated all those people, and all those people were staged at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. And I'm kind of wondering why, in the midst of this pandemic, we're burying people in a mass grave and somewhere in New York. That's been my concern for the last few days. Well, we're burying people in a mass grave because their families aren't claiming their bodies or they were homeless people to begin with and there's no way of identifying them or they haven't been able to identify them. This disease is 
disproportionately striking communities of poverty, which of course is disproportionately communities of color. But were you asking the question, or were you? You know, I, I was asking the, the question the because it, there's um, a disconnect with how this story is being covered, or that part of the story as to how people are claimed if they pass on. Since I'm sure when they went into the hospital, they they had a point of contact to call when they got into the hospital. I mean, mm-hmm. just basic things like that. Yeah, the number of bodies that are being buried in Hart Island what used to be called okay. a potter's field. These were the graves for the unknown folks or the or very poor people who could not afford a funeral. That's a small number of the total dead in New York. I don't know the number for sure, but it was like some, somewhere between five and 25 people a day are being buried there. And much larger numbers of people are being sent to funeral homes or being stored because people will claim the bodies once the, the jam up slows down. Kathleen in Camden Township, Michigan. Hey, Kathleen, what's up? What's on your mind today? I was just wondering if you had noticed big protests in the Capitol today, protesting Gretchen Whitmer's lockdown. In Lansing, yeah. There was a guy tweeting about it, and he was like, the big protest, all these people showed up in their cars to protest the lockdown. If they really think that the lockdown is unnecessary, why didn't they show up in person? Why are they hiding in their cars? Well, a lot of them are not hiding in cars. They end up getting out and they're 12 inches apart with masks, some of them, in clumps. I saw it on the newscast, but the whole line of reasoning, the mayor in Hillsdale, the nearby town also, Representative Luthauser, they're addressing the concerns and they're focusing on the cure being worse than the cause and so forth and echoing these things instead of talking about measures to keep safe and keep people alive and it just riles me up <laughs> i just this how is how fox so-called news kills people a responsible manner to show our protest for not following the procedures to keep people alive in these times yeah yeah i'm with you and by the way it's not just you yourself i mean if there's some 20 something or 30 something who thinks that they're going to be immune to this and maybe they are you know they have a much lower risk of dying than somebody who's 40 or 50 or 60 or older, but if they get infected, it's not gonna stop with them. We're finding that the average person is infecting several other people. I mean, there's different numbers running from two and a half to six, depending on where you're looking at. And by the way, when I was quoting death numbers in the previous hour, speaking of always trying to be accurate, I was quoting from the World Health Organization website. Sean pointed out to me the John Hopkins website, the WHO website is apparently all updated once a day, and that was yesterday's numbers. Today's numbers for the United States from Johns Hopkins, 26,069 Americans dead as a result well, of Donald Trump's incompetence. Locally, we don't have any idea how to, nothing's being re- recorded on nursing home deaths, et cetera, and people don't know, and they're not going to be told or informed by people that are denying that it, we need to go back. The cure is worse than the cause, and they don't take the precautions. Instead of settling people that are antsy, and I see it takes discipline for us to be in this situation, but we have to not be selfish and right. do what we need to do to keep my mother alive. My husband has health, underlying health issues that it could be devastating. we got to think beyond the politics, and it looks like they're stoking things instead of caring of people's lives. 
and it's very right. disheartening. Fox is doing this also to draw viewers who want to hear happy talk uh, so that they can sell advertising to you know big corporations that advertise on Fox. It is just so wrong. Kathleen, thank you for sharing that with us. Heather in Lansing, Michigan. Hey, Heather, what's up? Hey, Tom. I just wanted to give you just a tidbit of what's going on here with this stupid Operation Gridlock thing. I got Mm -hmm. an invite to the movement because I'm in Lansing and Facebook recognized that, so they sent me the invite. And they're so upset at the draconian measures that our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, is imposing on them and taking away their freedoms to go into the garden centers of stores because they're non-essential items. They've had to rope them off. These people had been Mm -hmm. spending time with their family shopping for rakes and seeds and of mulch and we had snow this morning so i don't know what they think they're going to do but they're not just calling Mm. for people to block up the streets in lansing they're saying block up the highways let our message be heard and the reason they're doing it in their cars is because the governor had previously set out an order that said fines up to a thousand dollars for unnecessary assembly you know so Uh. they're like you can't find us if we're in our cars because we're six feet away and she's fighting this uphill battle with these uninformed or misinformed opinions and this don't tread on me mentality that is so pervasive here. And it's absurd. Yeah. And the, the, other, the other thing that people are upset about is the fact that the people in the northern counties, as they call themselves, not just the UP, but the northern part of the lower peninsula, mm-hmm. are being punished for the despair and illness that's pervasive now in Detroit counties, Wayne and Oakland and the surrounding areas, mm. and they think they shouldn't have to self-isolate because all the sickness is in Detroit. And I just think, how is it that they're so ignorant in the most, in the purest sense of the word, uninformed over mm. how this thing spreads? How do they think 156 people have died in Saginaw County? And how do they think someone in Charlevoix died? Well, because it spreads. It's not isolated. Right. And good luck closing a county. So they want to block up the highways and block up the city streets and get stuck sitting in their car. Oh, the other thing is they're thinking that she's trying to work in a little bit of a Green New Deal by telling people don't drive unless you have to stay off the roads. Well, that's just her trying to forward the Democratic policy. We need to recall the governor. They're calling for her impeachment. She's being sued by the landscaping companies. It's really ridiculous because they can't buy a rake. And I just... Yeah, I I don't get the the lack of mental faculty in the state where I was born. Heather, these are the again. same. These are the exact same people I would bet who eight or ten years ago or however long ago it was were out with signs saying "Get your government hands off my Medicare." Remember the Tea Party? Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Tea Party. You see yellow <laughs> yeah. flags with the snake. Don't tread on me still. And there are also the people that are in a hurry to line up at the bank and the credit union to get their deposit. So I I, I don't have any tolerance for that. The people that take their families to Meijer and Kroger and the local grocery or Walmart because they don't have anywhere else to go. What is what is wrong with you? (laughs) It's frustrating. But the poor governor, Gretchen, and they're also saying she's just trying to get into the VP slot. The poor governor is fighting such an uphill battle that isn't Mm -hmm. talked about anywhere outside of the state with her measures to try, in spite of their best efforts, to keep these people safe and the people they love safe. So I just wanted to share. It's really out of hand. 
Yeah, I predict this is going to metastasize, Heather. This is going to go, it probably won't go as big or as broad as the Tea Party did because that was, you know, all those buses that people would show up for on the Tea Party oh, yeah. protests. Those were $300,000 rentals, you know, that the Koch brothers and, and other right-wing groups, Freedom Works and groups the, like that were paying You know, for. the other thing that frightens me about the future is when Trump tries to demand that the states open for business, here, it will be civil war behavior because there are so many people that want to go to the store and so many people that are trying to be safe that they are going to, I don't know, they're, they're going to rise up and bring their guns because they've stocked up on ammo. They've had to close the ammo stores for lack of bullets around here. Hmm. And I'm just afraid of what's going to happen when Trump says, we need to open and that woman from Michigan is not following Blah, blah. It just, it's, it's frightening. And I'm in East Lansing, well, Okemos, actually. And mm-hmm. it's pretty quiet. The streets are pretty quiet. And, you know, I had to go pick up a grocery order because you can only stock up for so long. And there were maybe mm-hmm. 20 cars in the Meyer parking lot. And I'm assuming they were shoppers, ship shoppers. Right. It's frightening, the mentality that's being broadcast around here. And I just wanted to share yeah. Please. Well, hopefully, unlike the Tea Party, this, you know, I, I do think it's going to spread nationwide because it's being promoted by right wing hate radio. And I'm sure it's all over Fox News this morning. But it won't have the big dollar funding from people like the Cokes. Or maybe it will. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Because the Chamber of Commerce is pushing really hard for this, quote, opening to happen. Basically, these guys are subscribing to the theory that, okay, so a bunch of old people die. So what? They were going to die anyway. So what if a bunch of people who have pre-existing health conditions die? We wanted them to die anyway. That's why we wanted to do away with protections for pre-existing conditions. This is their mentality. So we'll see where it goes. Heather, thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Tom Hartman here with you. Okay, uh, just this tweet by Donald Trump. Tell the Democrat governors, that would be Democratic. There is no such thing as a Democrat party. This goes back to some really nasty politicians in the 1950s saying, always call it the Democrat Party with the emphasis on the rat. The name of the party is Democratic. Anyhow, tell the Democratic governors that, quote, mutiny on the bounty, end quote, was one of my all-time favorite movies. Really? I mean, this was the HMS Bounty, and Captain Bly was this insane, narcissistic, brutal, sadistic captain of this ship who tortured his own men, killed his own men, tied them to the mast. So anyhow, back to Trump's tweet. Tell the Democrat governors that Mutiny on the Bounty was one of my all-time favorite movies. A good old-fashioned mutiny every now and then is an exciting, invigorating thing to watch, especially when the mutineers need so much from the captain. Too easy, exclamation mark. Do you get how friggin' sick this is? How twisted and sociopathic this is? The president of the United States is saying that he is going to torture the governors of states who are trying to save their own people? Last week I was talking about an interstate compact 
you know, end the federal income tax. It's merely a wealth transfer system from blue states to red states. Well, I mean, Mississippi gets four bucks for every dollar they send to Washington, D.C. Why? Just end the federal income tax. Mississippi can do whatever they damn well please. And the federal income tax and the individual states can raise their tax rates to 30, 40, 50 percent, whatever they want, whatever the federal tax would have been otherwise. And then they can provide their citizens with things like Medicare for all and free college education and a good hospital system that can deal with the coronavirus and testing if the states had the money. So anyhow, that was my pitch. Well, now you've got three states in the West Coast, California, Oregon and Washington State who are joining with a couple of states on the East Coast and saying, we're going to create a compact, basically, and we're going to decide when we're going to open ourselves back up. Now, keep in mind, Trump never shut the country down, so he can't open it back up. The country is not shut down. You've got eight states run by Republican governors where their people are really starting to get pissed off and frightened. You've got eight states run by Republican governors where they're doing nothing. But here is the president of the United States saying that he is going to punish the people of those states. He's going to increase the number of dead people in those states because he's unhappy with the fact that they're not acknowledging that his power is absolute. That's what he said, absolute. And then Mike Pence came out and said, yes, it's plenary. Plenary is a fancy word that means absolute. By the way, March of 2020, the month that just ended, was the first month without a school shooting since 2002. 18 years, the first month without a school shooting. That's the good news. The bad news is that during that month, Donald Trump killed probably 10, 15,000 people. I don't know what the total death rate for the United States was in March, but you know the numbers were probably in that neighborhood. So whatever the school shooters didn't do, Donald Trump more than made up for. I think I mentioned earlier that uh, Jill Karofsky, the liberal running for the Wisconsin Supreme Court, won. She beat... Mr. Kelly, Daniel Kelly, justice, who is sitting on the court right now. So now it's four to three conservatives to liberals. I'm not all that familiar with Wisconsin's elections. I'm not sure if there's any uh, Supreme Court justices on the ballot in November. But this is telling us what happened in Wisconsin. I mean, these guys, Donald Trump and the Republicans in the legislature and the Republicans on the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court in Wisconsin and the federal Supreme Court, all got together and said, we're going to force people to make a choice, your life or your vote. On the assumption that Democrats are more afraid of the coronavirus than Republicans are, because Republicans watch Fox News where they're constantly saying, oh, you know, more people die from the flu. In fact, that's what Brett Hume said yesterday. Well, if we're only going to have 60,000 deaths, we had as many as 61,000 deaths from the flu. So therefore, don't worry. Be happy. What are you worried about? Well, that's because we've been sheltering in place for a couple of months. I mean, that's because the blue states did it right. Now, wait until these mind-bogglingly incompetent red state governors start dealing with this. I think this is why Trump is literally stealing medical supplies from blue state governors. Do you think he's going to get away with it? We're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Or do you think that the David Koch, Ronald Reagan 40 year experiment, David Koch is, well, they're both gone now, is going to succeed or fail?
This is the Tom Hartman Program. Today we're reading from State Capture, how conservative activists, big business, and wealthy donors reshaped the American states and the nation by Alexander Hertel Fernandez. This is from Chapter 1, titled The Most Dangerously Effective Organization. Want to buy a law? Teased the normally staid trade publication Bloomberg Business Week in a 2011 article. That piece explained how a relatively unknown group, the American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC, could turn one bill idea from a business into many, many, many laws in exchange for hefty membership dues. Quote, corporations drop bills off at one end, concluded the journalists, and they come out the other stamped with the imprimatur of a nonprofit, nonpartisan group of state legislators. In the journalist's assessment, that process made ALEC a corporate bill laundry for the states. Investigative journalists from the nation reached a similar conclusion, writing that ALEC's project was best summarized as the complete business domination of American public life. The good government reform outfit Common Cause agreed, summing up their take on ALEC as a group in which, quote, dozens of corporations are investing millions of dollars a year to write business-friendly legislation that is being made into law in state houses coast to coast with no regard for the public interest. And in a book on corporate lobbying across the states, labor scholar Gordon Laffer has concluded that, quote, above all, the corporate agenda to shape state policy is coordinated through the American Legislative Exchange Council. These assessments of ALEC paint a clear picture of a business front. That certainly squares well with some examples of the group's activities, like Enron's efforts at deregulation of state electrical markets throughout the 1990s. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally-sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. 
Mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. But the denunciations of Alec as a corporate bill mill fit more uneasily with Alec's other lobbying priorities. For instance, Common Causes pointed out that in addition to lobbying for corporate tax breaks and cuts to regulation, Alec has been at the forefront of efforts to introduce strict voter ID laws across the states. If it's voter ID, it's Alec, declared one of Common Causes directors. An earlier Alec pushes prevented states from expanding legal rights to LGBT Americans and women. Where is the narrow corporate interest in these social issues? Another source of confusion comes from accounts of Alec that emphasize its connections to Charles and David Koch, the two mega-wealthy libertarian industrialists who are often known colloquially as the Koch brothers. The Center for Media and Democracy, a left-wing group of muckrakers closely tracking Alec, the State Policy Network, SPN, and Americans for Prosperity, AFP, have been quick to point out that Alec has long received support from the Koch brothers' main company, Koch Industries. No one knows how much the Kochs have given Alec in total, but the likely amount exceeds $1 million, estimated Lisa Graves, the center's head. That infusion of cash, Graves argues, has resulted in hundreds of Alec's model bills and resolutions bearing traces of Koch's DNA, raw ideas that were once at the fringes, but that have been carved into mainstream policy through the wealth and will of Charles and David Koch. It is certainly true, as we will see, that Alec has been supported by the Koch's main corporate arm. But to call Alec part of the vast Cochtopus of organizations created and managed by the two brothers mischaracterizes both Alec and the Koch network. Alec is not now, nor has it ever been, part of the Koch's main network of political organizations. As best we can tell, funding for Alec flows not from the Koch brothers' seminars of wealthy donors that finance their more ideological spending, but rather through their business. And unlike the other organizations that the Kochs direct, Alec is not helmed by close Koch industry operatives. So if Alec is not part of the Koch's main set of political organizations, what exactly is the relationship between the group and the Koch brothers? The misunderstanding of Alec's relationship with business, movement, conservatives, and wealthy donors is understandable, as we'll see in this chapter, because over decades the group has included all these actors. It is neither simply a front for corporate lobbying nor another piece of the Koch network. Instead, it is best seen as a coalition that has attempted to reconcile the varied preferences of big business, firebrand conservative activists, and wealthy donors. That task has not always been easy. Alec has at various points leaned too far forward, favoring one set of constituents over the others, sometimes resulting in backlash. Importantly, 
ALEC leaders would need new institutional designs to manage conflicts both within and between their constituent parts. Looking closely at these innovations sheds light on questions of coalition building in the fragmented American political system. In particular, it helps us to understand when businesses are capable of sustained collective political organization in the United States, a surprising outcome for many observers of American politics. In hindsight, it may seem obvious that an organization that brought together political conservatives with private sector companies to lobby state governments would be a useful creation for corporate executives and right-wing activists seeking policy change across the country. Certainly, the parties as organized interests theory I outlined in the last chapter would anticipate that businesses seeking policy change would do well to develop close alliances with such activists and politicians. Yet, on the other hand, a long line of scholars has argued that groups representing businesses and politics in the United States would be too hamstrung by internal conflicts to adopt anything other than flat-out opposition to government. According to those accounts, businesses are too fragmented. Anyhow, State Capture is the book. Alexander Hertel Fernandez is the author. Tom Hartman here with you live from Portland, Oregon, and I got an email. Let me see if I can find it here in my stack. I got an email yesterday afternoon, and I printed it out. This is just the perfect moment. Got an email from, here it is, from Adam Brandon, with FreedomWorks. FreedomWorks, of course, uh, one of the organizations, one of the lead organizations that was, you know, brought into being by the Koch brothers and the Koch network, the guys who led the Tea Party thing. And it's to Barney Rubble. You know, Fred gave five bucks to Trump. Barney signed up for FreedomWorks' newsletter. Barney, President Trump is right. Actually, it starts out with a tweet from Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump, mail-in ballots substantially increase the risk of crime and voter fraud. That's what, at the very top, Trump's tweet says that. And then uh, Adam Brandon says, Barney, President Trump is right. Mail-in voting would throw the 2020 election into absolute chaos. That's why Nancy Pelosi and the radical left are doing everything they can to make it happen. In fact, they're trying to sneak it into the next coronavirus spending bill. Stop Nancy Pelosi from stealing the 2020 election now. Barney, if this insidious scheme is enacted, it'd take months to verify election results. Ballots could be stolen and filled out by someone else, and people could be threatened to change their vote. Voting in person on election day is the best way to make sure your vote is counted and protect yourself from being targeted and harassed by angry mobs. Oh my God, FreedomWorks is telling me the angry mobs are coming to get me? Oh, no, wait a minute. They're telling me that I'm part of the angry mobs. Well, what, anyhow, that's why we've got to do everything we can to stop that from happening. And Barney, I'm counting on you to help us do it. Please contact your members of Congress. See, this is what's going on to Republicans all across the country. This is supported by billionaires. There's unlimited money behind this. Please contact your members of Congress. And it's a hot link, by the way. And it takes you to a page where, you, you know, you can instantly send an email to your member of Congress. You can call. It's all... Tell them to stop Pelosi from stealing the 2020 election. Tell them to oppose any efforts to expand mail-in voting. That's what's going all across the United States. Michael in uh, Lake Wells, Florida. Hey, Michael, what's up? Hey, Tom. I was looking at your original question, and it seems that it goes back even further, and the plan is even greater like from Carol Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope, where he had access to all of their documents and says that the plan is uh, for the central banks to, uh, you know, for financial capitalism 
to create a world system of financial control in private hands that could dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole, and that the system would be controlled in a feudalistic fashion by the central banks of the world acting in concert. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, Michael, and here's why. First of all, central banks, yes, the Federal Reserve, for example, is owned by its 10-member banks, uh, 10 or 12, and they are privately owned banks. That said, the Federal Reserve actually performs some very important functions. I am not a fan of how it's behaving right now. I think it's setting us up for a worse disaster down the road, but, you know, the whole bankers want to control the world thing, that meme, and this is why I stopped your call and why I don't like to have those kind of calls on this show, is that whole central banker meme is a variation on Hitler's Jewish bankers control the world meme. This was Adolf Hitler's shtick, was, you know, Jews control the banking. Look at all the names, you know, Rothschild, that must be a Jewish name. The Bilderbergers, that must be a Jew. Well, that's actually a hotel, but it was all about anti-Semitism. And it still is. You know, central bankers, yeah, coordinate, but it's not some conspiracy to control the world. You want to see the conspiracy? Well, it's not even a conspiracy. It's right out in public. Look at what went on in 1980. Anyhow, Michael in Bronx, New York. Hey, Michael, what's up? Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Stay safe, my friend. Thank you. I have to answer both your questions in one shot because they're kind of connected. All right. Is the Republican plan disintegrating? Oh, yes. And we certainly saw it in 2018 in midterm elections, 2019 governor elections. And I feel there is a blue wave that is rising against all these injustices that these Republicans, particularly Trump, is trying to bestow upon us. Now, as far as... Trump trying to punish the blue states, you know, this goes to, to the election as well, because it's only the Republicans that are stealing the elections. I think I told you before that every time they commit an atrocity, they in turn falsely point the finger to us or to elsewhere just to create a distraction. So what is happening here? He's taking away the ventilators to punish the blue state governors, and then people dying under his watch. Remember I told you before that these Republicans always defend the shooting of unarmed people of color, as well as they're defending the Charlottesville that went on. Anyone and everyone that has demise that are opponents of Trump or opponents of Republicans, that's less opposition votes for them to have in the face. So yeah, I find Michael, that this and is Trump's. Go ahead. Yeah, I find that this is Trump's plot here. Will it work? No, but I certainly hate to see any more casualties result from his dangerous, yeah. deadly, yeah, and terrorist. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Michael. And this goes beyond just you know white supremacy. This is oligarchy. This is domination of a political system by billionaires. To Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, what's on your mind today? Hey, Professor, I know you don't like this kind of stuff, but I got a conspiracy theory for you. Okay. You know, your governor of New York, he's refusing to give Donald Trump a pardon or a pass. So he's the only people that can lock Donald Trump up are the folks down in New York. And assuming that Mr. Trump does not win in November, 
he might be looking at the inside of a jail cell in New York. And Mr. Cuomo yeah. does not want to give him that pardon. Okay, and then I know this is going to be really crazy. Mr. Trump should be impeached again. When Mr. Obama left the White House, they gave this man a 69-page report on how to prevent pandemic viruses in this country and the world. He completely ignored it. He burned it up like he just light a match to something. And now look at all these people who are suffering and are dying. All this stuff is on his hands. He needs to be impeached for this, in, in my opinion. Okay, and what he's trying to do here, what I have the ultimate authority, is he is trying to suspend the elections in November because that fool knows he's busted. Thank you, Professor. Yeah. Morris, if it wasn't for the fact that Donald Trump has literally a lifetime of experience in stretching out court processes, in appealing and countersuing, and this is what he's done his entire life. Deutsche Bank tried to collect on a $600 million loan, and he sued them. He sued his own bank at the same time he was asking them for more money. And they backed off and they said, okay, fine, you don't have to pay the loan back. Honest to God. So that informs me that probably Trump's thinking runs something like this. Okay, I leave office in 2020. Now, this is assuming he leaves office. And mark my words, he's going to buy or merge with or create some sort of partnership with One America News Network, OAN which has become his favorite news network. They're to the right of Fox News. And he's going to form some sort of a partnership with them. Originally, he was going to, when he thought he was going to lose in 2016, he was planning on starting a television network to compete with OAN and to compete with Fox News. But I think he's going to start his own television network after he leaves office in 2020 and become kind of a shadow government. I've been calling for a shadow cabinet all this time. I think he's going to create a shadow government. And, you know, he's going to continue to dominate the headlines to the extent that he can, you know, unless the news media says, okay, enough of the Trump show. And I think that he thinks that even if they can find, even if New York State, if Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, can find evidence that he committed financial fraud. And by the way, that evidence is laying all over the ground. You'll recall two years ago, the New York Times laid out all of his tax frauds with his father's money. And it was so egregious that his sister, who participated in them, who was a federal judge, resigned from the federal bench, basically as a way to get immunity on this thing. So, you know, I think he just figures that he can just bluff his way through it, bluster his way through it. He'll be 75 years old when he retires, as I recall, maybe 74. And he figures, you know, he can make it another 10, 15 years, you know, until he dies of old age or, you know, some disease related to his lifestyle, hamburger, you know, cheeseburger poisoning or something. I don't think he's that worried about it, frankly. I used to think he was very worried about it. I don't think he is now. I think he really believes in his own invincibility. Hi, for the Tom Hartman University Book Club today, we're reading from The Crash of 2016, which might happen, we'll see, but it's coming. This is from Chapter 5. Chapter 5 is titled, Reagan Kidnapped the Jetsons. In a 1966 article, Time Magazine looked toward the future and what the rise of automation would mean for average working Americans. It concluded, quote, By 2000, the machines will be producing so much that everyone in the U.S. will, in effect, be independently wealthy. With government benefits, even non-working families will have, by one estimate, an annual income of $30,000 to $40,000. How to use leisure meaningfully will be a major problem. 
end of quote. And that was thirty to $40,000 in 1966 dollars, which would roughly be $199,000 to $260,000 in 2010 dollars. Ask anybody who was a teenager or older in the 1960s, this was a big sales pitch for automation and the coming computer age. There was even a cartoon show about it, The Jetsons. And everybody looked forward to the day when increased productivity from robots, computers, and automation would translate into fewer hours worked or more pay or both for every American worker. And there was good logic behind the idea. The premise was simple. With better technology, companies would become more efficient. They'd be able to make more things in less time. Revenues would skyrocket, and, and Americans would bring home higher and higher paychecks, all the while working fewer and fewer hours. So by the year 2000, according to Time magazine in 1966, we would enter what was then referred to as the leisure society. Futurists speculated that the biggest problem facing America in that Jetsons future of the year 2000 would be just how the heck everyone would use all their extra leisure time. And of course, there were also those who worried about what kind of degeneracy would emerge when a nation has lots of money and free time on its hands. Neither happened, and it didn't happen because Ronald Reagan stole the leisure society from us and handed it over to the economic royalists. In 1981, the royalists went right to work taking down that first pillar on which FDR rebuilt the American middle class, progressive taxation. Taking advantage of the oil shock crisis, neoliberal shock troopers immediately ushered through a revolutionary change in the tax code with the Economic Recovery Act of 1981. The first major piece of legislation signed by Reagan has slashed the top marginal income tax rate from 70% to 50%, cutting estate taxes for wealthy businesses and slashing capital gains and corporate profit taxes. Reagan succeeded a few years later in dropping the top income tax rate even more to 28% where it hadn't been since the Great Depression. It was the second largest tax cut in history and it was nearly identical to the largest tax cut ever. Treasury Secretary Andrew Mellon's in the 1920s, the one that created the bubble known as the Roaring Twenties, which eventually burst in 1929. The great forgetting had certainly arrived. The economic mistakes of the 1920s were coming back around. And again, the influx of all this hot money in the market coupled with a robust deregulation agenda throughout the 1980s and 90s, would trigger a series of painful financial panics. The reason why the Leisure Society could be imagined by Time magazine is because ever since 1900, working people's wages tracked evenly with working people's productivity. So as productivity can continue to rise, which was likely due to increased automation and better technology, so too would everyone's wages. And the glue holding this logic together was the current top marginal income tax rate. In 1966, when the Time article was written, the top marginal income tax rate was 70%. And what that effectively did was encourage CEOs to keep more money in their businesses, to invest in new technology, to pay their workers more, to hire new workers and expand. After all, what's the point of sucking millions and millions of dollars out of your business if it's going to be taxed at 70%? According to this line of reasoning, if businesses were to suddenly become more profitable and efficient thanks to automation, then that money would flow throughout the businesses raising everyone's standard of living, increasing everyone's leisure time. But when Reagan top dropped that top tax rate down to 28%, everything changed, as you can see in this graph. Now, as businesses became more profitable, there was a far greater incentive for CEOs to pull those profits out of the company and pocket them because they were suddenly paying an incredibly low tax rate. And that's exactly what they did. All those new profits, thanks to automation, that were supposed to go to everyone, giving us all higher paychecks and more time off, instead went to the top, to the economic royalists. Suddenly, the symmetry in the productivity wages chart broke down. 
productivity continued increasing because technology continued improving, but wages stayed flat. And again, since higher and higher profits could be sucked out of the company and taxed at lower and lower levels, there was no incentive to reduce the number of hours everyone worked. In the 1950s, before that Time Magazine article predicted the leisure society, uh, before that article was written, the average American working in manufacturing put in about 42 hours of work a week. Today, the average American working in manufacturing puts in about 40 hours a week. This means that despite the fact that productivity has increased 400% since 1950, Americans are working on average only two fewer hours a week. If productivity is four times higher than in 1950, then Americans should be able to work four times less, or just 10 hours a week, to afford the same 1950s lifestyle when a family of four could get by on just one paycheck, own a home, own a car, put their kids through school, take a vacation every now and then, and retire comfortably. But all that was wiped out by Reaganomics and Ronald Reagan. And that's just the beginning of the setup for the crash of 2016. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. NetSuite.com slash Hartman. That's NetSuite.com slash Hartman. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, 
propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Matt in uh, Housatonic, Massachusetts. Hey, Matt, what's up? There is an emergency room nurse named Kyle Seidel. He just broke his silence because of a lot of Italian doctors are also mentioning something about this, that the ventilators are actually doing damage and that he's only giving oxygen now and that this protocol is a problem and is doing probably more harm than good and uh, yeah. I just thought it was something that should get out there as an idea. Yeah, it is getting out there. There was a, a fascinating piece about this. Uh, I don't recall where I read it yesterday. I think it might have been the Financial Times or maybe the New York Times. One of the things that they're just starting to figure out is that one of the reasons why people who are obese that are at such a higher risk of dying from COVID or from the coronavirus is apparently because of the weight on their chests. And right. what they're doing with very, very large people, people who are very overweight, is they're flipping them on their stomachs and putting them on tables that are designed for pregnant women. They've got a, a lot, you know, it's, it's, right. it's got a, 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 an indentation where your stomach and, and chest, and in the case of a pregnant woman where her breasts would go, it's got this large indentation. And then around the edges, it comes up and it supports the arms and the rest of the body. And it takes the weight off the lungs. And right. these people are going from, you know, needing uh, immediate intubation if they're laying on their backs to when they're flipped on their stomachs, having their blood oxygen go from 30, 40, 50% all the way up into the 90s and no longer needing intubation at all. It's pretty startling stuff. And, you know, we're just starting to learn this science. I, I find it absolutely fascinating. Matt, thanks a lot for calling and pointing that out. Steven in San Francisco. Hey, Steven, what's on your mind today? Let me pull the plug on San Francisco. I noticed, because I have buildings here, that Apple... Two weeks before that, they had sent all their people home to work at home, and then Google followed suit. So Tim Apple, he has a lot of ties in China, so that's when the plug should have been pulled is right then. Was it five counties or five municipalities in the Bay Area? It was a coordinated effort, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, maybe they were being informed by Apple and Google, you know, who, as you say, have extensive ties into to their fascinating. Stephen, thank you for the call. David in Honor, Michigan. Hey, David, what's up? I'm here talking to a brother from another mother here in Michigan. People were calling in talking about the Operation Gridlock here in Michigan. And mm-hmm. forgive me, I didn't hear the whole thing, but uh, I don't know if anybody mentioned that it's sponsored by uh, an organization called Michigan Freedom Fund. And yesterday at Gretchen Whitmer's news conference, she was asked about, you know, by some reporter what her opinion was about the Freedom Fund organizing this protest. And she went on, oh, they got their their right to protest, and she supports that, blah, blah, blah. And then she started throwing some shade on the DeVos family because they're putting up all the money for the Freedom Fund. So I don't know if you heard about that or not. Yeah, so, of course, the Freedom Fund and the DeVos family spokesman and all that kind of stuff are, are denying that. But you can read about it on the free press or the Lansing uh, State Journal website. So, Huh. 
I will have to check that out when I get off the air, Dave. It yep, doesn't yep, surprise yep. me. I mean, the DeVos family, uh, Dick DeVos, Betsy DeVos, they made their fortune with this Amway scam, you know, the multi-level marketing. Thing. Oh, yeah. And they're worth billions and billions of dollars. And, you know, Betsy has been working for years to she's got half the schools in Michigan now privatized. I mean, she's just oh, yeah. devastated public education in Michigan. Oh, yeah. I'm a retired and, uh, teacher. I know all about it. So geez. if you want, I can read her quote. It's one sentence here that she said, I think sure. it's really inappropriate for a sitting member of the United States president's cabinet to be waging political attacks on any governor, but obviously on me here at home and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, wow. tune wow. into that. Thank you for that, Dave. I will go check that out as soon as I get off the air. I appreciate the call. Thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. Thank you for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It needs you. And there's so much you can do even when you're sheltering in place at home. So get active. Tag your it. And please tell your friends, your neighbors, your relations, the people who follow you on social media, how they can find progressive media. Uh, We need to get the word out more broadly. It's a crisis time for all kinds of media, so share the good word. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.